Before we get started, please take the time to like, add, and subscribe to our pages on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and iTunes. Also, please leave us a review. Just more of those explorers back there, back in the day, going through. I mean, it's no Butch Cassidy, but um, it's... ways what's bigfoot possibility clink clink what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the wandering ways podcast here i am mark the reverend mark and i am as always well, not always. Sometimes um, you're not here, but uh, Ranger Zach. Ranger Zach, how we doing, my guy? Fantastic. It has been another great week uh, since we last spoke. Um, we've gotten a whole nother week of adventuring and getting projects and stuff done. Um, excited to share with the Wanderers, I guess. You know, um, we got an exciting episode today to share with the Wanderers as well. Um, just just a lot of fun going on in the world you know i spent i've been spending a lot of time on my jeep these last couple nights uh because that if you're familiar i redid the roof rack on it so now i'm painting that roof rack and when you're painting a you know three quarters of an inch tube you know it's in the shape of a couple rectangles it's really not the funnest job in the world because it's you just you know sitting there and so uh, we resorted to spray paint last night to finish the job. No, uh, I got this like bed liner stuff to just kind of like give it some texture to give it a look and should be done, should be putting gear back on the Jeep here soon, should be right out rolling. So if you're watching the Instagrams, you know, the Rugru, you'll see me, you'll see what's going on in the hood, I guess. But other than that, man, just enjoying the good break that we had. Uh, the good Christmas break was good um it got cold here in montana dropped down to negative 40 but i was over in oregon so i missed the whole thing uh nice. missed the pipes bursting at the office too oh that sucks really? yeah it was uh, it got cold everywhere except for like southern california um but i mean like literally everywhere got cold <laughs> Well, that's this climate change thing, my guy, like it's definitely happening. You know, the, the Arctic Circle isn't supposed to drop down and cover the continental U.S. and Canada like that um, and, and make just cold weather. Um, the nice thing is it wasn't a snow dumper. I mean, it dumped snow in like Buffalo, New York. But like in reality, this whole that system wasn't designed to just dump snow. It just was super, super cold. Um, so that's a plus, I guess, because when you get both of those, like when you when you get the negative 20s, negative 30s in Montana, which is like three, four feet of snow, like you're just like, I'm done. Like, send me yeah. to summer. Okay? 100 percent. Yeah, no. Um, you know, I just got back from Georgia and I was in Georgia during the big cold, cold drop and in Georgia, which is known for typically warmer weather. Um, you know, when we said we were going to Georgia, I was like, oh, nice. It'll be like high 40s, 50s the whole time, you know, like 
not warm, but like comfortable. Nah, it dropped. There was one day where the high was 19 in Georgia. So it was like, God damn, that's like, way like, too cold. That, I think Oregon got like that cold one day. And it was, you know, to me, it's funny because like when it's that cold, you know, being in Montana, it's a dry climate versus the humidity, right? So when I would walk outside my parents' house, I would like flex my face, right? Because that's just like habit, what you do when you walk outside. But that I like after a while, I was like, it's not that cold. Like my face is fine. It's not immediately drying out the moment I walk outside. And um, like, I was like talking to my parents like that because I was like, this isn't that bad. I'm just in like a sweatshirt and jeans. I'm like, this is just like, yeah, it's cold, but I've been dealing with this cold already. Like I haven't, it hasn't gotten like below this for me yet where like it was below that in Montana, but I wasn't there. So I kind of dodged a bullet these last couple of weeks and getting some good fair weather uh, everywhere I go. I know everyone in Oregon, that was it. That was interesting dealing with the the cold in Oregon and uh, just the like you guys live in fear over there. I swear to God, like it's going to rain. So let's shut everything down. Oh, it turned out it didn't rain and we shut everything. Oh, because of the ice. I mean, the ice was crazy. Don't get me wrong. Like when it did. Happen- I was going to say, I saw pictures of like uh, there's a road in um, Eugene where all the cars were literally like on the bottom of it because it was like banked. And like, so the bottom of it, like there's like six cars there. I saw someone scraping their uh, window in Corvallis and there was like an inch of ice on it. Yeah. So it, it was. It I was got like, well. Good thing I'm not there right now. Seattle no, was pretty gnarly too. I saw a a video of Seattle where they're just showing this like street, and there's just cars just because they just start going down. <laughs> so I go, I did, oh, that sucks. But I saw a lady in Portland. She was ice skating on it, which was like really kind of cool. Um, just because like she was able to ice skate and. Then there was like my grandpa's house had a couple cars slide into it, took out his trash can um, just because he lives at the bottom of a hill. Um, yeah. Just some stuff like that. That was just like crazy to see. And just like the way the frozen ice, you know, because it was freezing rain that turned to ice. So it was like you'd walk outside and it looked like snow. But no, you're walking on like an inch of ice. It's just how the rain froze. Um, I get that. But to close the night before as like a business or a restaurant or something. Cause you're that like Oregon, you guys live in fear and you need to pull your head out of your ass. I, I, you go listen to your news over there, everything, man, they try and make it look like Portland. They try and make it look like you're living in a big city where just murders are happening daily. Um, it happens here in Billings too, you know, <laughs> Uh, that's just the news, man. The news always lives in fear, regardless. There's always fear stories, regardless of the news. Um, really, all it is is the framing of that fear. You know, it's all the same, though. Everyone's trying to make you fear something. And uh, the reason, the main reason why, uh, well, there's a couple of reasons why, real, realistically. But one, um, fear is a very motivating emotion. So, you know, if you're going to, you're going to watch, you're going to see you're in fear and then you, you're very motivated to do something about it type deal. Whereas, you know, if you're 
hearing good news or happy stuff, that's not a, it's not as motivating as, um, as fear is. A lot of people will be like, oh, shit's good. I'm just going to chill. <laughs> Whereas yeah. fear is like, fuck, let's go. Yeah, but there's there's an overreaction at some point. And, and I feel like in Oregon, you guys cross that line a lot more than the rest of us. And... Yeah, I mean, everyone overreacts to stuff regardless of, you know, it's really what it is. We may freak out about the weather, but, you know, people in other states are going to freak out about something somebody else does that maybe it's just one of the crazy homeless that's going down on the street. You know, he may be out there trying to predict when the aliens are coming and that makes big news in other states, whereas in Oregon, it's like, just let the guy think the Klingons are coming. Yeah, no, you're not wrong when it comes about the homeless people out there, but uh, there's, they're slowly starting to figure out that one too. Um, but it's a it's it's a different world when you're out traveling and these these large events happen, especially like the airports, right? Like getting getting into and leaving Portland around the holidays. I stood in line for the baggage check for 40 minutes. Um because Delta Did you fly Southwest? No, Delta, which is surprising, Gosh. which low key, these last couple of times I've flown Delta. Sorry, Salt Lake, your your airport's dropping the fucking ball nowadays. I might be I might be switching over to Alaska as like my primary airline just because of how bad. Like Delta kept me on a runway for an hour. They parked our plane on our runway before pulling us up to a gate. So I missed my flight one time. This time came within like I was one of the last five people to get on a bus to take us to our airplane to get home here in Billings. Uh, because oh in Portland they just let the plane sit with a flat tire overnight couldn't fix it overnight you know had to wait till everyone was sitting on the fucking plane to do it um so yeah you just got got some boneheads making decisions there um Delta and they need to figure I'm in Alaska I I fly mainly Alaska but I make the Southwest comment because they had like over 2000 flights canceled. Um, they were still canceling th- flights this week. They probably are. Um, they're kind of a shit show right now. <laughs> so uh, no like to the point where uh, they're getting federally investigated. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw that, which is wild to be like, well, it makes sense with how much money they were handed these last couple of years, all these airlines to have the inefficiencies that they are having. It's like, dude, like you guys should have no, we're out of COVID. There's no excuses. Airlines where like, what are your excuses? Oh, you paid your fucking CEOs and presidents, all bonuses yeah. with that money. Well, that's going to come back to bite you. But I did fly down when we went down to Vegas spirit and Allegiant airlines, which are, you know, they're up there with Southwest, both those and jet blue <laughs> and city airlines. And honestly, not that bad. Um, I did the whole package thing where you book in a package. And this is some like travel recommendations, guys, you know, for the wanderers out there. When you're looking at Allegiant or Spirit and you're like, well, I am going to carry on a bag. I am going to check a bag. At the beginning of the flight, they give you a chance to just like bundle it all. You end up paying like five to ten more dollars. But you get a select your seat. You get the priority boarding. You don't have to worry about checking a bag. You don't have to worry about bringing on a bag. It just has it all ready for you to go. And it really isn't that much. And like like I said, it was like $5 more. 
and I got to select a seat, which you're paying for anyway, when you select in the option. So like, that's, what I mean, like I selected one in the back that was the cheapest, the middle row. And, you know, I was like, Oh, I'll take an exit window row, extra leg room, this, that sign that. me up. So it worked out a um, lot, lot better experience than Delta this go around, which is shocking. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. And I'm going to call them out on the wandering ways podcast. No. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, but yeah, so, uh, getting back to travel and stuff like that. Yeah. I was in, like I said, Georgia and able to get it kind of out a little bit. We went to a falls, um, you know, Anna Ruby falls it was just, it was a good state park. You know, it, um, had all the classic stuff that you love to see in the state park. It has a parking lot. It has nice little hike, um, it was cool to see all the ice, um, like, you know, literally parts of the falls being frozen over, uh, part of the Creek being frozen over, uh, saw a statue of Smokey the bear. It's always a pleasure to see Smokey more of a woodsy, the owl guy, but you know, Smokey the bears up there. Um, but you know, North Georgia, it's pretty country, it, You know, it, it really is pretty country. It's like getting out kind of. You know, in the the boonies around here, where it's just it's just different trees, really. You know, it's that's really all it is. It's a different type of tree. Everything's spread out, maybe more so spread out there. Um, but then, you know, like you're kind of comparing it to like the Lamet Valley and all that with when you get out into like the country a- a- aspect of that, and you're into the more- yeah. That the one thing that I thought was always was weird about being there is everything is so close, right? So packed in there but everything when you're like in a spot everything is so much more spread out like there's a house a lot of land around it another house a lot of land around it type deal that's that's the biggest so it's that's where it gets spread out is because it's like one plot a lot of land plot a lot of land type deal um that makes sense though because i think of like when georgia was being founded and built right like people would have more like lawns and yards Mm -hmm. where like now it's funny. You take that comparison to like 2022 and you 2023 now. um, And you get into that modernness of it. It like, no, we'll live on top of each other around each other and put fucking 700 homes in this square mile. Cause Mm -hmm. they're apartments and condos the way they are Um, versus. Yeah, no, you just need one little home for your family and yard around there. Like it's cool. Like, yeah. it's cool to see it. It's really going down to the south. Um, it's an it's a you know that's why they call it the south. You know, it's distinct enough to give it its own like region, its own area of the country that people like like you want to go check out and see. Yeah, yeah. It it's worth. I think it's worth a visit for everyone to go check it out. I mean, it is definitely it's pretty. You know, we were uh, we were in good old Bigfoot country. You know, yeah, saw a lot of saw a lot of possibilities. Um, you could see that there's a lore of Bigfoot being in that area. Um, so moment you see that, you gotta keep your eye out for my boy Big. See, I would want to actually go down there and like before COVID and see that, just because like I feel like the Bigfoot craze got blown up during COVID as well. Um, again no like, i think it's been there for a while 
You do. Um, That's good. That's yeah, good. I, yeah. I think it's been there for a while. Just the way we went to we went to this town called like um, Helen um, on, or Helen uh, Georgia, which is um, it's like a Bavarian style kind of town. It looks a lot like Leavenworth if you've ever oh. been to Leavenworth. Um, and there were like two kind of like Bigfoot take a picture with me kind of statues in this one town so it's like he's been there you know there's the lore of bigfoot in that area definitely um for a while i didn't see him i kept my eyes out but i didn't see him uh so you know good you have to look harder you have to get the mark report on that gotta gotta make sure everyone knows um if we have a bigfoot sighting uh if you have a bigfoot sighting shoot us an email uh, wandering ways podcast or hit us up on the social medias let us know if you have any stories about our boy big um but no georgia super cool um went to the aquarium down oh, there. i saw the videos i saw the great the 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 shark whale whale shark yeah the whale shark yeah how um, neat is that seeing that in a fish tank I, I mean, they're massive. They really are. Aquariums are kind of hit or miss, are kind of bittersweet for me, not really hit or miss. Because you, you ask the question, you're like, okay, how did these guys end up in here? Um, and thankfully, like the whale sharks actually have like, they're there for good reasons. They were, they were like sold on the uh, illegal fish eating. So they were going to, these whale sharks that were in the tank were, gonna get eaten so they were kind of saved uh from getting turned into some sort of uh some sort of meal so and that was illegally traded um so that was encouraging to see like that that they're in there for not just because it's like oh let's have a whale shark it was like no we're saving these guys um from some horrible horrible death they're massive they are absolutely massive creatures um i i've seen like the tv show that that aquarium's a part of and just like episodes when they're dealing with those sharks and just the the seals and whatnot that they got like that's a huge like that's one of the top aquariums probably in the u.s it's one i definitely want to go to i want to check it out i want to see it just because i haven't been there i get what you're saying you know i talked about it i think last time about dams and how I kind of feel that I'm uneasy with dams because you're like, well, in yeah, I get we're saving the water for humans, but what does that do to like the rest of nature? Is that's why we're having global warming is because of all these dams changing the way yeah. water, you know, I get what you mean when it comes to like, you know, like putting orcas, you know, you're the guy that says fuck SeaWorld, you know, so it's like, yeah, you're putting an orca in a tank again over here. That's a, yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm always... I'm always curious how they get, you know, because there are like zoos and aquariums. There are zoos and aquariums out there that, you know, there's the rehabilitation or some animals just they won't survive in the wild anymore. And, you know, there's the whole argument of Darwinism and whatnot. Um, let the thing die out in nature. That's a very valid route. Go for it. Um, I don't think that's a horrible way to go, but if they can't live in the wild or there's some there's a rehabilitation part to it bring them in bringing them into a zoo or an aquarium 
you know, it's it's nice. We can learn about it. You know, we can uh, teach others about that right. species. So it's you know there are positive. It's it's just how did they end up in that facility? It's the you're right. It's the learning. It's the alienification of like we're taking you out of your you know society and we're bringing you into this lab essentially this place you've yeah. never been before. We're going to do experiments and tests and figure figure out who you are to understand you because you got injured. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I get it. I do. I do get it. You come here next time you're in Montana. We'll, I'll take you to our, our zoo here in Billings. We, we joke. Cause a lot of like, Oh, they got these bears. Cause they were in this campsite. They got these oh, deer. So cool. They were hit by a car. They got these Eagles. And then my dad likes to say, well, if, if that's not enough for you, go down to red lodge where it's even worse because it is like, well, there's the elk that thought it was an antelope. And then there's that cougar that, you know, just kept playing with something in the middle of the road and stuff like that, where it's like, here's the special needs animals of the world of Montana here. out <laughs> Cause like, yeah. And it makes sense. It's, it's good that we have these places you can learn from them. Kids can learn from them. It's a good place to, you know, I remember going to the zoo in Albuquerque growing up and it was one of those for me that, I learned a lot. Uh, they had a really good section on African animals and I learned a lot um, from that as a kid. So it, it helped and it probably helped me get to where I am today thinking like, yeah, that stuff's bad. Like, you, I don't know. You go to the zoo. I don't necessarily see joy on a lot of the animals faces. Yeah. And that's, again, that's what I mean. Like why, why are they there? You know, is it, are they taking a perfectly healthy animal or, um, whatever from nature and putting it in a cage totally not cool is it being flung around an illegal trade market is it you know getting hit by poachers or is it just like severely hurt out there type deal different conversation you know that you're the ones born in captivity right like the animals that are born into the zoo yeah like, that's kind of not can cool. that one can you release it into the wild will it know yeah. what to do i mean sure there's an instinct of some sort but in reality we are the ones at that point that are becoming the crutch for those animals but mm-hmm. no and you know i don't know i i'm just wary whenever there's a zoo or aquarium it's very it's a huge aquarium um there's always cool shit in those kind of aquariums so it's you know you see stuff that you probably never would get to see i don't know if i'll ever get to see a whale shark again i sure hope so hope love would love to see one uh out in the wild um but if not at least i know um that i had one swim right above me so (laughs) um which was dope as shit but that is not why we're here today no 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 we're here to continue our ABCs of the national parks. We're in the seas. We did Canyonlands last time, and we're not going far. We're not going far, both alphabetically, because we're only moving one down the list, and uh, geographically. We're not going far as we are on Capitol Reef National park uh, another one of the utah five um i think we're up to three 
Have we no, well, this might be the fourth one of the Utah five. Yeah, we've um, we, we've hit. I mean, Zion's going to be a while. But yeah, yeah, Zion, <laughs> Zion it might be the last one. <laughs> Capitol Reef, Canyonlands, Bryce, and Arches. You know, we've hit. Yeah. Four, we've hit four of them, and this one, as they say in the subpar books, is somewhat bland. Um, I get it if you took the road through the middle of the park because that's what I did my first time. And you're like, that's it. It's just about two miles wide. No, um, it's a canyon. You got to get into the canyon and go explore it. That's why it's called Capital Reef. No. <laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely one where I think everyone should go out and explore it. Because um, if you don't, you could definitely get the, you know, the classic, oh, I kind of just drove through. Um, you know, you don't. This is one I think you really got to jump on in, um, check it out. It is between Bryce Zion and Canyonlands and Arches. So if you're doing the Utah five kind of road trip, this is probably your middle park, um, regardless of the direction you go. This park too, from, from I, I did that thing in uh, Yellowstone park when I was working for the BLM and uh, I met a guy from Utah and I was asking, I was like, so Utah five, what's your favorite park? Mm-hmm. And he, he said capital reef he says you just got to get into the back country which isn't that hard to do in this park because there's like i would say 90 percent of this park is back country where you got to get off the trail you got to go really plan and understand where you're going in this park uh to go there and he said you're going to want to dedicate a couple days in this park to these areas so it's kind of cool to hear that um from a local that you know when you drive through it you're like that's it that's all it really got no it's got a lot to offer it's got more um and i don't know i remember when you and i went we did that little hike to the natural bridge and i just remember getting back there to the natural bridge and being like fuck like we need to go see more like there's so much you can tell there's more of this park uh, the clouds that day were just it was that i have pictures and it was just that beautiful blue sky with those white clouds yeah uh, with the red and white and you know the utah rock oh it was such a beautiful day you know it was one of those where we probably spent maybe four or five hours in this park and that was it and you know maybe like it's like i get it i do see where you want to spend two three days because there is so much more you got to take a dirt road to go see it that's all yeah um no this definitely i think is one I mean, you can still you know the natural bridge hike was just a pull off parking spot um you could see a lot of it that was really cool the petroglyphs they're mm-hmm. just right on the side so you know you can see a lot if you just go real quick um driving through but uh, I think the real magic of this park is if you get into it a little more, because I've always heard Capitol Reef, Capitol Reef is kind of of the Utah Five. It's like the big, it's the best well kept secret of the Utah Five, um, and of the the parks and different areas down there. The two kind of ones people have told me, oh, you got to check out is. Grand Stair Escalante and then Capitol Reef. Um, Driving through Capitol Reef, I see the potential. Uh, You definitely got to go into it more, I think, to get that that 
awe. Uh, I mean, it is, it's a big park. It's two, 243,000 square or acres. So, you know, it's 381 square miles as they say. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to see. Um, and they in say that like a hundred miles north to south, kind of just skinny long. Yeah. Skinny long. Uh, it was made national park December 18th, 1971. The 35th um, national park. Yeah. Uh, it gets over a million visitors a year. So a lot of people are checking this place out. Um, so that's always a plus. Plus to here, biggest elevation changes. Lowest point is 3,800 feet. Highest point is 8,900 feet. So get some good elevation change. That's one thing I do remember uh, about like this park is like the where it falls on like the fault line. So it's like it's like visually kind of weird because you're like angled and whatnot, um, which is trippy but cool at the same time. So I was kind of thinking of getting into sport fishing again, but I feel like I need a good quality net. Well, you know what, Reverend? I got the key solution for you. You know, our friends at Blue Ribbon Net make this eco-friendly aquafade bag so you're not hurting the environment. It's 100% biodegradable. Plus, the wood is locally sourced and it is also biodegradable and it's just such a great company to use. Um, the Blue Ribbon Nets, they're here in Bozeman, Montana. And we even have a discount code. That's right. If you use the code RUGARU10, that's right. That's my Jeep, the RUGARU. RUGARU10, R-U-G-A-R-U-1-0. Uh, you're going to get some discount on a Blue Ribbon Net. You know, you can get the long one if you're fishing the big fish, or you can get just the good river one, you know, if you're like me and just want to catch a lot of fish. So again, make sure you go check out Blue Ribbon and use the promo code RUGARU10. Hey, hey there, Reverend. Um, I heard that you might be running dry on your sticker supplier. Yeah, I've been looking around and I've kind of like run out of cool stickers to buy and put on water bottles and stuff. Well, I, I mean, have you seen the stuff Josh has been coming out with lately? No, I have not. Well, he is doing some really cool stuff with the Shop LS574. Yes, they're working with indigenous communities and making some really cool stickers. Um, he has a really cool buffalo mountain sticker. There's even water bottles, hats, sweatshirts, the whole swag. And we even got a discount code for you guys. Yes, if you use Wandering Ways at Shop LS574, you're going to be getting a discount on your next purchase. But not only that, you're going to be giving a percentage of that sale to the Little Shell Tribe, as well as they donate a dollar of every sale to murdered and missing Indigenous women. So just such a cool thing going on there. You know, you use the code WANDERINGWAYS, W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G-W-A-Y-S, and you put that in there, boom, you're getting a discount. Uh, now what we're going to do is we're just jump in to 
of obviously my favorite portion of the show, which is just cool shit in nature. Um, this week, I got some cool ones for you. Um, at least I think they're cool. Uh, something one of those first one is something we've talked about um, before um, when it comes to a cool shit in nature. And this is just adding on to it. Um, and then the second one is just really, really pretty. Um, but this first one is an orangutan using a saw. Now, we've talked about how they're entering the Stone Age where they're using tools. And this here is just more proof that they are doing that. Um, okay, so I'm just curious here watching this monkey saw this log. Um, well, two things come to mind. One, doesn't know what the saw is, doesn't know, like, he's kissing it, touching it, right? Like, trying to, like, well, actually, he's feeling it with the lips, because I think orangutans actually learn that way, you know, like, they figure out what something is. Is he picking this, is someone giving him this? Did he find it at a construction site nearby because their forest is being torn down? Um and then you see him cutting like that and just uh, sad because we're not going to have wild orangutans no more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of those questions of like, well, why is he chopping this branch? How did he get the saw? Those kind of questions for sure. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot that you can, you're curious about when it comes to this, but you know, the overall gist is like, all right, they're coming. <laughs> right. It makes you think like, are we going to start putting that technology on monkeys like this who, you know, where it's like, oh, he can talk to us because he has that device that like translates orangutan to human. Yeah. So, I mean, they talk, uh, they do sign language. People learn teach sign language. So, you know, I, we're not far off here. No, we're not. And it's, it's actually kind of cool because just to see something like that, you know, where, oh, and then this one. Yeah. Next one here for the people that are just uh, listening today as uh, a video of Black Canyon of the Gunnison. Um, it's beautiful. It really is. Uh, it's really, it's great. They took this video at a really good time with the sunset and all that. Um yeah, we need to. It, it's one of those that watching it, we need to go. Yeah, 100%. Um, the one checking this park out is, I think, kind of a must um, nowadays. Well, looking at it, you know, you get the you get these national parks, these especially these newer, newer ones that are smaller like this, you know, like the New River Gorge in Virginia um like in Shenandoah and like those parks that like they're slowly coming to life where it's like they weren't parks before so you know I get that it makes sense because it's not the Yellowstone or the Glacier where it's a lot of land that's just captivating you know it's select parts of land you know like the, a canyon um and whatnot and that's kind of how Capitol Reef to me is you know talking about Capitol Reef today where it is kind of like a canyon um they call it the water pocket fold. You know, that's why it's called a reef because of a lot of the uh, sea creatures that they find in the set different layers of sediment. Um, and just the location, you know, um, of this park. And just you come across these interesting, cool things, you know. Um, this one obviously was a park way before, you know, the 
1971. So people decided to put this one aside a lot earlier uh, than some of the other ones. But I don't know. I I'm looking at a map right now of Capitol Reef and just seeing like we took the Highway 24 right through that Fruta, which is where they had the homestead where they planted the fruit trees. Where if you're in season when they have fruit, you can go pick some because that's where the Mormons planted it on their way out west. Um, but apparently this was a canyon, you know, Capitol Reef. It was one of those that was really hard to pass for the settlers as well. Um, so that's why you kind of get it the way it is. I mean, it makes sense. It's really narrow and skinny. Um, it's going to be just like that tight area of yeah. um, it borders. I'm looking at it. It borders the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. And I'm, you know, I'm just kind of looking at some of these roads, some of these rivers. And I'm like, Mark, we just need to go go back down. Like, we just need to somehow figure out how to live out of a car and just see everything for a couple days at a time. Yeah, yeah. That would be nice uh, to get down into there. Um, would love to go back. I mean, this park. This park's got one of my favorite uh, designations, and that's its uh, International uh, Dark Sky Park. Um, so, you know, the stargazing is going to be tip-top shape if you get down into uh, Capitol Reef. So I, that that in and of itself is kind of worth going down uh, to check out. And then just all the other stuff just makes it that much extra, extra um, cool. Uh, you know, I think... You mentioned it very briefly about the the orchard there, um, and how the the settlers moved through, or the Mormons, because they were the first settlers into this area. That they were the ones who planted it, uh, the orchards there, and the National Park Service they keep maintaining it, um, same way they've always done it uh, in there, and you can go pick some fruit. When they're uh, in season, go down there, pick yourself a nice little snack uh, while you're in there in the park to enjoy an apple and some red rock. Uh, nothing wrong with that. No, it's definitely a beautiful uh, park in that sense, you know, and it looks like it's they have it kind of into sections, you know, like a north um, at, at middle and then the Cathedral Valley as well, um, which I remember looking at the cathedral valley and seeing this picture in the visitor center with you i mean like how do we get down there to see the big cathedral yeah. it's like oh you got to take a dirt road here it's gonna do this and do that and they're like oh can't do it in a day no nope. um but they do have a bunch of day hikes i did see if you go over to the national park uh website they have a bunch listed if that's something that you're wanting to do because you're like oh we're driving through capitol reef but we don't have a lot to do there um, really just the one campground there in Fruta as well. Um, so if you're, you are wanting to stay and get into the backcountry, find the permits. Um, they do have a pretty good permit system in this park, both for campgrounds and, um, backcountry, um, which to be fair, this is one of those parks that, you know, you're not going to want to do, um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of competition for some of these permits just based on. Uh, the remoteness of some of these areas that you can go and you can choose and select. Yeah, very well could. Um, you know, the nice part is 
Yeah, there's a lot also close by, you know, being the BLM land that's right next to it. So camping there can be a little easier. There, I think there's a lot of opportunity in the area to find camping if you can't get into the park itself. Um, so that probably contributes to maybe some of the lack of competitiveness for uh, these campgrounds um, and all that. So, you know, you can really, you can really make, make a trip of it. Um, if you go down there, uh, I got a fun fact about the park um, for anyone that just likes fun facts um, and wants to learn a little bit about the area. John Fremont came to the area in 1854. The famed explorer John C. Fremont passed through Utah, Colorado, attempting to find the Northern Railroad route to the Pacific Ocean. The expedition was difficult, difficult, and the explorers were forced to eat their horses before stumbling upon a Mormon settlement. Fremont passed through Cathedral Valley, but did not come to the area where the main part of the park now exists. So he's in that kind of, I think, the northern part of it. Uh, he wrote that the area was visited by nomadic bands of Utes and Southern Paiutes, uh, but Fremont did not find evidence of a permanent settlement in the area. Um, so just more of those explorers back there, back in the day going through, I mean, it's no Butch Cassidy, but, um, it's, you know, all of those kind of explorers, the more well, yeah. He has a river named after him. Yeah. In the park. So if you want to go check that out um, while you're there, he, uh, I, I don't have any information on him, but as you're saying, kind of just like just like set in this section. This is another one of those parks when you're driving from like a Bryce. I remember you can see it. This is one of those formations where that ripple just sticks up in the ground. It looks like just mountains on the horizon. But it's just a line, essentially, that you can see from miles and miles away. So no matter who you are, ancient traveler, modern traveler, it kind of draws you to it. You know, you want to go check it out. You want to go see it. Uh, and yeah, like you said, it's very nomadic of a place, but it's also sitting on that fault line. Um, and when you get like those interesting places like that, the natives and whatnot, they wouldn't necessarily live there, but they would consider them holy they would consider them those passing through parts that's what, another reason why you get a lot of pictographs and petroglyphs at this park and you get a lot and it's weird like the utah natives man they like to draw on rock i've, I've, I've learned that yeah uh i mean i could see why there was no permanent settlement there uh it's kind of it's kind of harsh land um you know i'm kind of surprised they're able to grow fruit um down in that valley you know but it's probably like the one real kind of um settable settleable land in the area you know was, the rest is pretty a lot of it's just rock and uh rock's not really ideal to live on or like to grow anything for that matter it's just yeah barren in that sense yeah so i i definitely see why why it's not uh why there's no permanent settle settlement there or anything like that. Uh, another fun fact about Na Capitol Reef. Um, 
before it was named Capitol Reef. It was originally named Wayne Wonderland or Wayne oh. Wonderland State Park. Wayne uh, World. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, maybe. I, I don't know. In 1935, two years before it became a national monument, national and state officials went back and forth on Capitol Reef's proposed boundaries. While some wanted to name the monument Wayne Wonderland, Ephraim Pechtol and Roger Toll thought the, that the name was inappropriate because it suggested a more locally focused area. It was Pechtol and Toll who recommended the name the name be Capitol Reef. Oh, good. So, I like I like the ones that do a little thinking outside the box and say, let's name it something so people come here versus like, let's name it after a guy. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> you didn't build it. You uh, didn't Wayne, it. Wayne, it's not even Wayne's Wonderland. It's very clear that it's Wayne Wonderland. So it's kind of even a weird way of phrasing it. So maybe I'm Wayne actually pretty glad it's not... Uh, Wayne Wonderland either. I like Capitol Reef much better. Well, they're talking too here about uh, Utah 24, the highway that rolls right through. Uh, and they said in 1962, after that that road was built to replace the old Capitol Wagon Road, um, that that actually helped open up tourism more so once that highway was completed to bring more people in. So, and then that's, you know, 1962, Give it another 10 years and it becomes a national park. So goes there you go. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, I, I get it. Utah is interesting because like you, you brought it up, but I, I don't necessarily, we don't have the time today to get into that conversation, but you look at like a lot of the land in Utah because it is barren and desolate, right? Like they said it, they, they even took back the park's borders. Like they made it smaller um, a couple times. So it's interesting you hear about Bears Ears down there in Utah as well. Um, yeah. And now there's, and they took a lot of that land back after it was already designated. Um, so save Bears Ears, save Capitol Reef. We can't be tearing them down. They're beautiful places. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, Bears Ears been, um, they've been fighting that one for a while. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and then so, I'm reading here if, if you want to do the Narrows in Zion and you can't, you got to do the Halls Creek Narrows here in, in the park. It looks just the same. I think we were meant, we were told that when we were there, um, when we went to the Ranger Station, I think they mentioned um, that, or I heard it somewhere. I don't know. I've heard that before. Um, now that you're. Yeah, here, I'll read it. It says, Headquarters Canyon is for families. This remote narrows is for expert hikers only, as it requires a 22-mile, two- to four-day trek to experience its three-mile-long tunnel-like slot, which often means waiting in spots. Needless to say, through through preparation is necessary. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a doozy of uh, a hike for sure. 22 miles, three, four days. Yeah. Um, that'd be a lot of fun, though, to get out there and do that. You even um, go to a gypsum sinkhole if you want to go see that. There you go. I'm not really sure what that entails, but uh, I think it is probably worth it. Uh, 
58 species of mammals have been documented living in the park. And I am sure that black bears are amongst them because uh, as we've uh, talked about uh, on this podcast before, there's almost always a black bear. They live everywhere. Um, yeah, there, there's always been at least one sighting of a black bear. Uh, I'm doing my due diligence. I'm looking it up uh, right now just to make sure um, that I am not uh, telling false information. And uh, there's there's solid chance that oh nope. There it is. Black bear seen uh, on the list of wildlife in the park. Um, well, you also got the desert bighorn sheep, the mule deer. And actually, that's a really cool picture of a mule deer in that Fruta area. And uh, really skinny antlers, but big, massive ones uh, on, you know, for how, how small the deer looks. Mountain lion, ringtail. They got some Western ringtails. Um, the white-tailed antelope squirrel, the rock squirrel, they got yellow belly marmots, the American beaver. Um, there we gray, go. The gray fox, canyon bat. That's just what's listed on their page. They even have a cool video, a seven-second video of some bighorn sheep in the snow when you go to the national park page and look up, learn about this park. Oh, nature, animals, all sorts yeah. of cool things. Yeah, so I mean, for the wildlife lovers, they're out there. Go check out um, all of it. I mean, it's the desert. You're gonna find there's the reptiles too. Uh, a ton of reptiles in this park. Uh, birds, ton of species of birds here. There's been documented more than 230 species of birds have been documented in here. That is a shit ton of birds um especially different kinds of birds so um there's a mexican spotted owl which sounds super cool um so you know if you're out there if you're a birder this is a great place to go check out start knocking off some species of birds off your list uh there um you know, capital reef is just overall i think it well it is the probably the least talked about uh utah five park um but you know i think it's deserves as much credit as all of the other the other four um so don't sleep on this park uh go check it out um because with that being said i gotta be that guy um, we're at the end of our time here um, for this episode. So yeah, we did another National Park ABCs with good old Capitol Reef. Um, but it is time for our final words. So final words, my guy. You know, Mark, it's been great talking with you today about uh, Capitol Reef. I know when we were there, we were talking like, man, we should change our time. We should do this. We should make some more time for this park. Um, because... If you have the time and you have the ability to kind of, I think, game plan some areas of this park that you want to do, obviously, knowing us, you're going to game plan, you're going to show up and be like, okay, we can't do that. So have a, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, um, because this is the desert. This does have those characteristics of it. But I mean, like I'm reading it right now. There's the No Tom Bullfrog Road. It's a 45 minute long road. 
uh, and it drives down the eastern side, connecting Utah 24 to the, the Bird Trail Road, um, which is real close to Lake Powell. So you're kind of on that side, you know, you're, you're, you're looking for different things to go see and go experience. You know, you have the temple of the sun, um, the Fremont river trail, Sulphur Creek, Cathedral Valley, all these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful places, um, that you hear about, you see pictures of, um, you're right up against Escalante. So it must be worth, you know, making maybe an Escalante capital reef trip. If you're into bundling, um, we know there's a lot of you bundlers out there. Um, or if you're just doing the Utah five and you want a quick day hike, they got 15 day hikes you can do. So just find your way, find your park, find what you want to do and go see Capitol reef because it's one of those parks that I'm glad I have been able to experience it in my life. Um, I just want to experience more of it. And I know there's a lot of you wanderers out there too, that feel that way. All right, Reverend. Reverend's final words of wisdom say beautiful everybody i can't tell you how much i appreciate every single one of you uh listen all the way through um you know just it's new year we're a couple weeks into the new year so make sure you're getting out if you made those new year's resolutions about getting out into nature more go outside Go for a nice little hike through your local park or a little jaunt through uh, whatever. They'll be worth it. It'll be good to get outside, all that um, fun stuff. But, yeah, make sure you go check out Capitol Reef. Um, and with that being said, peace out, everybody. Bye.